Hey everyone, and welcome to a, another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. I say another episode, but actually it's been <clears throat> a little bit of time since we recorded our last episode. We took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, the short story is, um, man, Team Builder's been growing. We've hired a lot of people recently. And uh, for anyone out there who knows when you bring on new board members, uh, the process of onboarding and training them, it takes a lot of time. So I decided to sort of prioritize my time and not do the podcast for a little while. However, I think I am back in the saddle. And speaking of that, uh, before I get into today's guest, I wanted to talk about how uh, busy we've been, and one of those projects is actually putting out a store. So shop.teambuilder.com is where you can actually uh, shop for Team Builder gear. Uh, for years now, people have always said they liked our t-shirts, liked our hats. We typically got the stuff for employees and then would you know give the extra stuff to coaches out there. Um, but we decided to go ahead and, and open up an online storefront so that you can order this stuff. And uh, the store pricing is set up so that we offer free shipping and we don't create any margin on our product. So you'll see t-shirts on there for 20 bucks, hoodies on there for 30, 35 bucks, um, hats for 20. I mean, it really doesn't get any cheaper than that uh, for gear because our goal is not to make money off an e-commerce store. We just want to see as many people as possible wearing team builder gear. That is what really gets us all jazzed up. So I told you guys that we've been doing a lot of hiring. Um, Today's guest is actually one of our, our recent hires. <laughs> so uh, today's guest is, um, the title is in-house sports scientist or head of sports science. We're not really big on formal titles here, so I don't really know what we call him exactly. Uh, but it's uh, Tofi Zimneki. Um, so Tofi is uh, a hire that we made from Yale University. Tofi was a strength coach at Yale and then eventually worked his way into a position that they created, uh, which is the Director of Sports Science and Analytics. So Tofi um, has uh, led a lot of teams to championships at Yale, both as a strength coach and a Director of Sports Science. Um, so basically, we worked with Tofi uh, since Yale was using Team Builder, and we basically found out that Tofi was doing a lot of innovative things on the sports science front. But Tofi also has like this really cool ability as a teacher, an educator. He was just really good at talking about what he was doing, why he was doing it, and what the end result, the purpose was of his sports science sort of initiatives. Um, so we ended up hiring Tofi away from Yale, sorry, <laughs> um, and uh, brought him in-house. So uh, what Tofi will be doing for us is educating and instructing coaches on Team Builder on how to create sports science environments for their programs. Uh, Tofi is also uh, consulting our dev team on product development. So we have a lot of talented developers and we believe uh, commonsensically that it's just not enough to have good developers. We'd really need strong practicing strength coaches to come in and give us guidance on how to build uh, new functionality, especially as, as it relates to um, sports science. So uh, we're super excited about Tofi. He made a huge impact the moment he started. That was uh, about a couple of weeks ago. So enjoy uh, my first episode back from the hiatus with Tofi Ziemnicki. Uh, formerly Director of Sports Science and Analytics at Yale and in-house sports scientist at Team Builder. All right. What's up, Tofi? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good, good. What is uh, what is uh, life like now that you've transitioned sort of out of on-the-floor coaching and kind of more in like a coaching consulting role? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. Um, it is definitely different. So gone are the days of grinding on the floor for, you know, 12 hours. But uh, 
it's definitely a different lifestyle, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Definitely enjoying that's, it. That's good. That's good, man. I know like coaches sort of switching into private sectors, like nothing new. And most of the time when coaches do this, they like move into like education roles, I guess. I mean, maybe the first person I remember doing this was like uh, Ron McKeefrey. You remember when he was like, oh, I yeah. forget where he, he was at Eastern Michigan before he joined play. I think. I think. So. Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 And he was joined play as like director of education. So like, here's another thing too. I think prior to, to McKeefrey doing that, I, I definitely saw strength coaches move into private sector for like sales roles, you know, mm-hmm. and like Soren X, you see it, like a lot of their sales guys were just well-connected strength coaches that moved into sales. Like yeah. but now, like more companies are kind of opening up more education specific sort of roles. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I feel like once you go from the floor into an education role, you kind of bring the wealth of experience that you had. Right. And yeah. it's, it's easy to, to connect and kind of talk with the other strength coaches and just talk shop. And I mean, everyone's got a story, right? So, um, yeah. I think the the transition from being a, a strength coach into like an educational type role is like, it's, it's an easy transition because as a coach, you're kind of educating the athletes too. So then you kind of take on what, you know, what role you had before and just you share your experiences and, and, and sometimes it really connects. It really, it takes off. So. Yeah. I can tell that like, that's a unique skill I get with strength coach hires and on past podcast, Tofi, like I definitely have this bit that I do about how I love hiring strength coaches because, um, for, well, there's a variety of reasons, but like they're in teaching mode and mm-hmm. a successful company requires that your employees teach other employees how to do something uh, like for new hires or if they're like moving roles and they're transitioning someone into their old role, teaching someone how to do your old role is like super important. So that's like a very, you know, not all strength coaches are like great teachers, but it is, I think like a trait of a good strength coach. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like your role, you know, we talked about your role kind of being like three pronged mm-hmm. and one of those prongs is kind of like unique. Um, like not a lot of strength coaches do have that role and that's like the, basically working with our development team on product, product development. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, no, I I mean, it's, I was just thinking about it. Like, I didn't think about this before, but like, you've never done that before. Yeah. Um, like, but now you're kind of, you've just started. Right. So like, I think you're scratching the surface, but like Mm -hmm. so far for the audience, like working with a, a team of software engineers, like how, how would you describe your experience so far and how do you see it like going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like when we're talking about sports performance and and, and being a strength coach, you're you're kind of developing a product, right? Like your, your product is the athlete's overall performance uh, on the field, on the ice, whatever it may be. And I think when we're dealing with, I guess, back end software development, it's kind of like dealing with a sports coach, sport coach too, right? Because you have to kind of shoot ideas back and forth and get to the root cause of like what the overall product has to look like and what you kind of want to do with the product and where it kind of has to mold and shape and, and the direction it needs to take. So I think in a sense, it's kind of like dealing with a sport coach and, and trying to figure out what they want out of their team, because every sport coach has a different play style. They have a different idea of what their product um, in game should look like. So I think there is parallels. There's definitely parallels. You know, the, the verbiage is different. The, the nouns, the words we use are a little bit different, but I think the, the root goal, the idea uh, is to produce something, you know, worth sharing or worth performing. Or, or worth kind of like, I guess, uh, broadcasting out. And I think there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of parallels between those two things for sure. 
Yeah. So like working with sports coaches, that's like analogous to working with the dev team. That's a very collaborative, iterative sort of Mm -hmm. relationship. When you were working, were working with athletes, did you observe them? Like, say, our software developers would observe our, our users. Like, we look for things like feedback. Like, do they like this? Do they not like this? Do they use this? Do they not use this? Right. Like, is that kind of how it works with being a coach and like training design? Do like do good coaches pay attention to athletes and really care about whether they like an exercise, like the way the training structured, like the way you coach and talk to them? Yeah, I, and I think. For me, when I was a coach, I, there were definitely constants. There were definitely things that I, you know, I knew probably should be in a program and featured in a program pretty regularly. Um, but I think at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, when you're working with a person, you know, someone else in front of you, they're going to have feedback, and I and I and I value that feedback, right? Um, I would try as much as I could to take in um, all the thoughts, all the concerns, all the ideas that those athletes had, and really try to make sure that it was valued. They, they, they felt it was valued. So, um, that to me, athlete feedback was super important. I would try to feature some of the things that they, that certain athletes felt really good about. Um, sure that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a Friday night, like, right, yeah. you know, sometimes that's the most important thing, you know, it's, it's yeah, yeah. and that it feeds into the culture of the weight room. You know, you, you got to make sure that like the athletes feel like they're a part of the process because they are, you know, in and of itself, like, over the course of four years, that's their process. Yeah, if, yeah. I felt like sometimes if they felt like they didn't have enough control over it, it's, you know, you might get some dissenters. Some kids will just follow along, but I mean, it's it's their it's their life, it's their career, and you know, those four years are are huge for them. So I, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to make sure that their feedback was taken in and, and heard a lot. Yeah. It it definitely led to a lot of success of a lot of athletes for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, I wanted to talk about like the point in your career where you went from being a strength coach and like you were always a strength coach, right? Like when you were titled director of sports science and analytics, you still had some responsibilities on the floor, hands-on yeah. coaching, right? Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. Oh yeah. Right. But at some point your title shifted over and it wasn't like in the middle of the night, like you were working towards this title mm-hmm. and then you were like, but the title, right? Is that kind of how it was does that yeah. how it happened? I, I mean, a lot of what I was doing pre- the the title uh was what my i guess job description was once the title was kind of uh accepted so i i I did a lot of the data and and making sure that teams had what they needed to make informed decisions based on the information they collected so um it was almost like you know you you did all this let's let's give you the lettering and all that you know that goes along with that so um but again like you said I, i was a sport or a strength coach on top mm-hmm. of that as well. So, um, yeah. that's really, I mean, the mainstay was making sure my teams were taken care of. And then, you know, on right. top of that, just making sure everybody else had what they needed as far as data was concerned. So, right. So you had a, a proper title of a sports scientist, like a mm-hmm. functioning role paid at a university that was winning championships. So like yeah. you are a sports scientist, you're like the definition of one. Yeah. Um, but also a strength coach. Do you think that's rare that you were also, that you also consider yourself a strength coach at the same time that you were practicing as a director of sports science? Like, how many other sports scientists did you know and how many of them were actually coaching on the floor? Yeah. And I'm kind of leading to a bigger discussion about strength coaches having a lot of opinions about sports science. And I wonder if maybe, you know, it, you're like, maybe there has something to do with whether someone's a sports scientist versus like having a, a, a specialist in sports sciences, but having experience in different roles as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to, to have that on floor experience and continue to have that because, you know, the data is important. 
And it's, it's super, super important. You can make a lot of really good decisions on that data. Um, but I think having that role of seeing everything firsthand and like knowing what that data did and the decisions we made on that data and see it played out in real time was huge. It was largely beneficial because there were certain times where I had to step in and be like, you know, this is what I'm seeing, but from like a, you know, just a pragmatic standpoint of like, this is what I'm able to do with that information is sometimes if you're, if you don't have that on floor experience, sometimes it gets lost in translation, right? Cause you're trying to explain something, you know, an idea or a concept or just, information in general to somebody. And if you don't have that, I guess, dialogue or that ability to connect with them one-to-one and, and you know what experiences they have to go through and, and the different conversations that they're having behind closed doors that I also had, you know, with sport coaches or athletes or, or what have you. Um, I think sometimes it just becomes, you know, you know, we're, we're having this conversation about, about data, but if I can't understand how they're going to implement it or, you know, the pushback that they might have when they explain that data. Um, it's harder for us to utilize the data in an effective fashion, right? Um, because I can kind of understand what is going to be pertinent to that strength coach to be able to go and tell their athletes, you know, within the information they collect or what information and what data they should be displaying to the sport coaches. Because I also had to have those same conversations with the sport coaches. And I know a lot of the times when you bring data to a sport coach, especially one that's well-established has won championships before has been in the game for 30 years, those conversations are different. They're just wholly, you know, they're completely different. So you know, if, if you've never had that experience before, it's, it's tough. It's tough to make that relation of like, oh, they should just, you know, cause in, in most people's mind that, you know, that work with data, like, oh, the data is the data, the data says what it says. But sometimes you say that to somebody else that doesn't want to hear it. And it's like, how do you, how do you drive that conversation from there? Like what's the next step? Right. And if there's not a next step, or if there's not an angle of attack, then it, it just gets kind of like lost. It's just, it's data that becomes useless at that point, because it, it, if you can't prove the point with the data, with the conversation you're having, it's, it's just yeah. kind of, it's out the ether, right? So, right. Um, and if you bring I, pointless data to a conversation, it, do you kind of put yourself at a like a deficit with that counterparty, be it like a sports yeah. coach? I mean, like, yeah. are you taking a hit if that's the case? You, you don't have a clear direction with what you're bringing to the table? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, the data that you bring, you know, I always like to, I would always tell uh, the strength coaches that I, my colleagues that I work with, like, find out what's valuable to that sport coach before bringing something of value to them. Because you don't ever want to show up to a meeting with information that they don't care about because they're just going to poke holes in it. And that's going to be way harder to build a bridge uh, that they're going to want to cross with data itself. So if you bring in shoddy data or data that they don't care about, mm-hmm. they're not going to care about the more important or, or the best nuggets. data in the world. It just doesn't exactly. mean anything to them. Yeah. 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 You have to, I, I would always say you walk into a meeting and find out what's important to that coach and then show them how you can take what's important to them, visualize Mm -hmm. it, you know, put it on paper and and allow them to digest it. And then you can have more important conversations going from there. And then maybe information they didn't think was valuable. You know, you bring that into the conversation after you've already identified what's important to them. And then you say, Hey coach, I've also looked at this and this kind of ties into what we talked about. You know, Mm -hmm. this really plays in hand with that bigger picture that you're trying to cultivate or create. So Mm -hmm. When you're, when you're talking with sport coaches about data, especially ones that may not be as receptive to information to start, it's not always, you know, trying to bring them the answers that you know are correct. It's just finding the answers that they think might be the most beneficial to them. And then you can start to have those conversations that can drive them in a different direction. 
Cause that's ultimately, ultimately like what the sport coach cares about is, is wins and losses and how their team is doing. And yeah. that's, you know, as a strength coach, that's what I care about too, because I'm working with their team. So um, I have to find ways to either get on the same page as the sport coach. Um, and then once we're on the same page, how do I drive them in the direction that's going to at least benefit them the most, whether they know it or not at the time we first meet. So yeah. um, it's all, that's always a, a tricky conversation, but it starts with them because it's at, at the end of the day, like that's their team. They want to drive it in whatever direction. And you kind of have to help steer the ship too sometimes. Yeah, so. totally. I don't know if I've ever said this like publicly, but I generally don't like working with sports coaches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like as, as the founder and owner, it's of tough. Team builder. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I get sports coaches who um, are like double strength coaches that happens at the high school level a lot. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's the head coach. And if it is the head coach, it's usually okay. But when it's a pure sports coach, mm-hmm. um, we know with like, and, and they're not all too concerned with the strength and conditioning program. Those personalities just tend to be very strong. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And the strength coach is almost the opposite because strength coaches for the most part are science-based and they know that they operate on principles and not convictions, you know? Right. It's no, totally different, different personality, man. Totally it different. It, it's, it's tough. And I think that's why, you know, that's why there has to be some say, especially from the beginning. And, and mm. you know, I've been in, obviously I, I went from being an intern to being a strength coach and I had to take over teams that were brand new. So it's like, if I came there guns ablaze and saying, I got the answers, like, I don't know how those conversations would have went, right? Because yeah. they, their convictions are, are, especially sport coaches that, you know, go from one strength coach to another, to another. It's like, they've heard the right. same conversation over and over again of like, I have the answers. It's like, sure, I do. I might have the answers for, for some things, uh, but I need to know what they think the answers are. And then we can kind of build the conversations from there because it's, it's yeah. tough. It is tough. You know? Yeah. And that's an, kind of an operating phrase. Like think what the answers are. Cause I think mm-hmm. the sports coaches often rely on their intuition Yes, uh, in, a le- in a league of 10 teams, someone's going to be first and that's, and that's going to validate their intuition. And then there's oh, a yeah. lot of people who didn't get first. And does that mean their intuition was wrong? Um, or, or what, you yeah. know, like it's, it's kind of frustrating to be, you know, like a data driven person, like a strength coach really is. And, yeah. and, and think about, you know, sports coaching and having to rely often on intuition. It seems like a frustrating endeavor, you know, it's, it's a lot of emotions that go into sport coaching and I, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a different, I think it's a different mindset for sure. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's something, it's something I dabbled with a little bit. Um, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't get myself into it. So I really, oh, really? honestly, I, yeah, I, I totally, I totally get where sport coaches are coming from. Um, yeah. because it's, it's, it's definitely not, it's not easy for me. And I, I respect the people that pull it off well, cause it's, it's tough mm-hmm. at times. It definitely is. Tough. Yeah. There was this like uh, local post on the the local community Facebook group. It's the head football coach of this high school. There's only one high school in this whole County. And he was like, as always, we're looking for volunteer football coaches, anyone to come help out and do this yeah. stuff. And a part of me, it was like, that sounds awesome. Like I, I was a football guy. So this sounds great, but I also have been there before and it can be mm-hmm. being volunteering for say like a football team is almost like being an unpaid assistant coach. Like yeah. you're either all in or you ought to be out. I know that oh, yeah. so I'm probably, probably not going to volunteer myself, but a little <laughs> part of me was like, Ooh, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, also, I don't know the head coach. Like I don't know the personality. Like you might be yeah. there volunteering, gonna... giving your time. They might mm-hmm. also be talking to you. Like you are a paid assistant and you need to be, oh, yeah. you know, like there you, all the time. You, you run that risk. You run that risk. You really do. So you really do. I understand. I understand. Um, do you know any other sports scientists? Like when you took this role on or leading up to the role, did you network? Like, is that something uh, you guys do? <laughs> uh, honestly, like with, with my time commitment at Yale, um, uh-huh. 
Not much, <laughs> not okay. much. It was, it was definitely tough. It was definitely tough to Damn. kind of branch out and network there. It was, I mean, yeah. we, we had 30, 32 varsity teams and I had, wow. you know, I was in direct, direct uh, control over five of the strength and conditioning programs there, help with football. And then on top of that with data, like, you know, I was making yeah. sure that my work was done by the end of the day. And then <laughs> my, my teams were taken care of. It's, wow. you know, it was definitely a grind, man. It was definitely a grind. That's crazy. Yeah. Golly, that is so much volume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I made a pretty good relationship with, uh, with Drake over at uh, Hawk and dynamic. Okay. Um, yeah. We definitely have done some work together, but I mean, outside that, man, it's just like, I was, you know, I was really trying to like, make sure everything was right. taken care of at the end of the day. Right. So, yeah. Cause I understand I'm like, what I was curious to know was like how your situation differed from like another sports scientist situation. Like yeah. what does it even mean to be, um, you know, I, I just, I hear like through the grapevine, right. I'm not going to mm-hmm. mention a specific names, but like, there's always, uh, there's no shortage of train coaches who have complaints about the, the in-house sports scientists in their program. <laughs> and then I'd like to imagine that the ones who have a really good relationship with theirs and are lucky enough to have one, you know, are doing great. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't know if you had any sort of insight into that. Like what does a typical scenario look like for a sports scientist in an athletic program? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's tough cause I can really always speak to kind of what, what I know and what I went through. And I was very, very lucky uh, to be a part of a staff at, at Yale where my colleagues really valued data. Um, so a lot of the collaboration that went on um, behind closed doors, you know, in the office and the after hours, we, you know, we really made sure, or they really made sure to kind of like hear and understand me and bring me their ideas. And then I was there, you know, to kind of reciprocate that. I wanted to make sure their ideas were heard and I could tell them like, Hey, like I can totally do that. Or like there were sometimes they might bring me ideas. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if we have enough information to get across what you're trying to get across. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, it's like, when I would work with the people on my staff, I want to make sure that like, if I build something for them, they could at least explain it in their own terms or in their, in their own way. So, um, because if I built something that like, I totally understood, but they had no idea what they were looking at. Like they might go, you know, and, and just not know what the information means. So they're, they're talking to a sport coach and they just, they have no way to communicate what's going on within the data that they're looking at. So I think it was definitely, you know, it was definitely an iterative process. Um, you know, I would always, I would build something to as complete as I could, uh, as I could make it. And I would sit down and be like, Hey, this is, this is what I have for you. What are your questions right now? And what are you seeing that's not there? And what are you seeing that, uh, you didn't think would be there? And let's talk about that. That way they had an understanding of like what they could bring to the coach and they wouldn't get absolutely like blasted. So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of how my working process was with my colleagues, um, when they had data that they brought to me. Uh, but again, like I, I can't really speak for other, other areas. I'm sure there's definitely plenty of situations and scenarios um, where it's the complete opposite. So, but I, I can't, I can't speak from any direct experience of conversations yeah. I've had where that's, you know, that's directly the case. So I hear you. Um, so obviously part of your role at team builder will be uh, consulting existing customers mm-hmm. on their sports science initiatives. You have experience doing this. Like you, you had coaches reach out to you and ask and yeah, stuff like that. Definitely. Um, if someone comes to you and they have virtually no sports science environment goals mm-hmm. experience, but say that they want to do this, yeah. um, 
how does that conversation go from there? Do you start asking them questions back? Like, okay, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. What's the goal? Or do you have some like fundamental tools that you're like, every sports science department should have these tools. Like how does that conversation kind of start out? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I think the first thing is, you know, what, what are you most excited about with this conversation? Like, what do they want to get out of that conversation? Mm. You know, is it just basic reporting? Is it, is it, I want to showcase results to all of my athletes. I know they're progressing. I just want them to see it. Mm. Um, you know, is it, I need to have conversations with admin about X, Y, and Z, like, and I need information to back it up because maybe mm. their administration's way more data driven. It's, you know, what are they looking to get out of the conversation? Um, because it, it, having data and, and walking into a conversation with, you know, bulletproof metrics, it's a good feeling. And, and I think that excites a lot of people. And there's so much information on a daily basis, especially in a college weight room. There's so many numbers that kind of just get tossed around that you can quantify and put into reports and, and ef effectively showcase. You know, it's such an easy place to pick up a lot of information. Um, but sometimes that information just sits and, and you kind of have to identify what does that person on the other end of that conversation want to do with that information? Because sometimes it can be super complex and super advanced. And sometimes it's super simple. They just don't know where to start. So especially if someone has no sports science background, um, you know, coming into that conversation, it's, it's really just like, what are you looking to do with the information? What's the story that you want to tell? Because there's always a story in the numbers. There's always more context than just the numbers dictate. Um, so try to peel that out of them in the beginning. Like, what is the context? What is the story you're trying to tell with all this information? So. I, I, I saw this like slightly cynical opinion from like a well-followed strength coach. I think it was on Twitter. Um, and he said something along the lines of, um, any sort of like data, uh, goal data project. I forget what it was exactly. Mm -hmm. was basically for strength coaches was basically demonstrating something that they already know to someone else. Um, sure. Yeah. But, and but like, that's the thing. It's like, you have to tell the story. Not everybody knows the story, mm -hmm. you know? And if you're trying to, if you're trying to win over or you're trying to push a program in a certain direction, like sometimes you have to tell the story and you may know it, you may really know it. Um, but if it's not painted, if the picture's not painted and it's only in your head, you know, no one's going to see that work of art they're, they're yeah. not, and they're not going to be able to, you know, compliment it or at least like say, you know what? Yeah. You're doing a great job, you know? Yeah. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes you really kind of have to, if, if, unless everything's going, you know, peachy keen in, in you know, the rest of your relationships with, point across if there's certain things that you need to get done or there's certain things you want to get done you know sometimes it really comes down to painting the picture with that data you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i believe it um we had a conversation like last week i think about uh broetry bro yes <laughs> and <Yeah>. this is <laughs> you see it on twitter a lot and just for everyone out there like broetry is not specific to the strength and conditioning industry but it's just like um, you see it on LinkedIn and Twitter where people just throw out, you know, words of wisdom in like a probably like very dramatic fashion. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was seeing that the sports scientists are no different on LinkedIn. They have, you know, a lot of broetry to share about, you know, this is the way it is. This is not the way it is. Um, I, I don't know, like Tofi, you're involved with team builder now. So we're going to ask you to do more writing and sort of putting yourself out there in terms of blogging and stuff like Definitely. that. Um, but like, as for your education, you have formal education, 
Um, and then obviously like everyone else, you have sources of informal education. Yeah. How would you talk to someone who, uh, was interested in kind of honing their knowledge on the sports science discipline of performance? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, for me, it was kind of, it kind of started with, you know, my love of sports competition, athletics. Um, and then I slowly started learning, like, there's a lot of things you can just quantify, um, easily, or if you put in enough work, you can quantify it. And it kind of makes life a little bit easier to, to know where your pitfalls are and to also know where your strengths are. You can play to both and you can, you know, you can really work one up to make sure it's not a deficiency anymore. And for me, it was going out and learning the tools to be able to organize and then make, um, assumptions and, and make, uh, analysis of all the information that we collect, um, as strength coaches and as an athletic department. So really what I wanted to do is just combined, combine the things that I really, really enjoyed that was sports and winning. Um, and then how do you leverage the data to make sure that, you know, your progress and ultimately, you know, the wins start showing up more and more. And I just, I turned to YouTube because, there's so much information out there about how to process it, like how to process data uh, on a regular basis and how to make it more efficient, um, how to analyze different pockets of information. But a lot of, a lot of the YouTube tutorials, they're in finance because finance and the business industries have been doing data analysis for years and years and years. And they've seen what it can do, what the actual analysis and communication of that information can do. So I had to kind of like separate myself from watching those videos and saying, yeah, they may be talking about dollar amounts, but those dollar, dollar, dollar amounts to me as a strength coach, that's progression in the back squat. That's progression in the bench press. That's the decrease in time on a 10 yard dash, you know, that's, I had to kind of separate myself and look at it. Like, how are they analyzing that? How can I apply the principles that they're talking about to the information that I have and, and kind of line things up so that those videos were less about finance. And they were more about just the principles of properties of how to analyze data. So it's, it's, it's great because there's so much there's so much information out there about how to analyze, manage, organize, present data. It just doesn't happen to be in the framework of strength and conditioning and sports performance because at the end of the I mean, really, this is in its infancy, right? It's, it's very kind of new to this field, but there's so much information. And with the growth and expansion and avail, availability of technology, more and more data is going to be kind of thrown at sport coaches and, and strength coaches way. And it's going to be super important to at least be able to process it. You don't have to know or be able to process every single point, but I would say 90, 95% is going to be, you know, if you're processing 90, 95% of the information you're taking in, there's a good chance you're going to find something pretty valuable in there. There's a really good chance. And it doesn't have to be in everything you collect, just looking back and try to like making correlations and connections in what you do from a programming sense to what you output on the field or what you output in a testing metric. So again, there's a lot of information out there. Um, I, I turned to YouTube really quickly and, and, you know, Google is your friend. There's plenty of, like I said, there's plenty of information out there because this is data analysis is not new. It's just new to strength and conditioning on, on a larger yeah. scale. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't know that about you. That's why. <laughs> so did you ever find yourself at some point like accumulating 
so many different skills and abilities that you had to kind of pick and choose the ones to apply to your system. Cause like, you know, you have a finite amount of time. Um, yeah. so it, it, was that like, was that a point in your career where you had to kind of assemble different skills and abilities to kind of make up a model, uh, or did you include, just include everything? Um, I think there's definitely times where I had to kind of throw, uh, I had to throw a few things at like a certain problem and see like what kind of came up because sometimes, I mean, some, there's different routes you can go when you're analyzing information. So, you know, sometimes you kind of have to throw a few different things at a problem to see what is really going to give you the answer you're looking for. And sometimes the answer is not there and you have to kind of be okay with that. Right. Like sometimes you're just not going to find the answer you're looking for and you, you have to know when to walk away. Um, but you know, there's, there's definitely so many different avenues when looking at a piece of information and part of that takes time. You know, what I, what I did four years ago is not how I approach the same problem now. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've gone back to like either dashboards or sheets or, or different, um, I guess, pieces of information that I presented, you know, to, to my colleagues or sport coaches like three, four years ago. And then when I revisited that information, I was like, what was I thinking? What was I even <laughs> like? Sure. We came to an answer, but like, now there's just so many other ways that I can skin this skin this cat. It's like, mm-hmm. why would I not go with the easiest and most efficient way? Mm-hmm. So I think your toolbox gets bigger and bigger. And I mean, I, I like to think is, you know, my, the, my toolbox will never be full. <laughs> like there's always so much more for me to learn. Um, so I think, I think growing and expanding and knowing that there's so much more out there for you to learn is, is going to at least help you to realize what tool in the toolbox is going to best fit that problem. Um, you know, when I first started out, I probably had one or two tools. Now I might have five or six and I hope in, you know, two or three years I have 10 to 12 or even 20. So like for me, it's, you know, I, I think there's, there's not always one way to do things and that's same, same goes with strength and conditioning. Um, but there's definitely, you definitely want to kind of like arm yourself with as many tools as you can. Uh, because at the end of the day, like not every problem is going to be easily solved with one or two. You might have to take properties of three to four, meld it together, and now you have a brand new tool. So yeah. um, I tried as much as I could to use the most efficient, but also knowing that like there's different properties and principles of different, I guess, ways to approach a problem. And then combining that got me the solution I needed. So yeah. So yeah, it sounds like it, when you're applying tools, there are some tools are better than others, but when acquiring yeah. tools and skills, it's good to have a, a wide breadth of, yeah. of tools and skills. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That really makes sense. Um, let's talk about access to you. So anyone on the Platinum Pro plan will have access to your consulting. So just yes. to be clear, anyone on Platinum Pro. But you know, you're going to be around for us, uh, you know, for Team Builder. Are, are you going to any trade shows? I forget which ones that we have you scheduled to go to. Uh, I'm going to the NSCA, the the national conference. The national. Uh, okay, yeah, this yeah. July in New, yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah, yes, cool. Is, yep. Okay, cool. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to try to work you into more and more of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, man, look, the purpose of this podcast, like I said, in the intro is just to kind of introduce our customers to you, who you are mm-hmm. and what you're doing. And then, uh, I think we'll be doing more of these in the future for sure. So yeah, um, what a great way to start. I mean, like when you have these conversations, there are so many rabbit holes you can go down. Like oh, we didn't 100%. talk any specifics <laughs> about any tools or metrics right. that we use trading modalities or, or monitoring, mm-hmm. Uh, principles, like there's a lot of stuff. I don't know if I'm the best person to kind of get into that stuff with you, but like you're going to have adequate opportunities to talk about it. I'm sure awesome. coaches yeah. have specific things they want to hear about. So if you are a listener and you're like, oh, well, I want to hear specifically from Tofi about this. Um, 
well, you know who to email or you know who to, to reach <laughs> yeah, out to. Any, really, anyone here? Yeah, hit Tofi up, hit us up, um, and we'll make sure to to get it out there for you. So, Tofi, thanks for joining me, man. Such a pleasure to have you as part of the team builder yeah. team, and yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Same here, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. This is always fun. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I enjoy it too. And thanks everyone for listening in. And the podcast took a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back. And uh, you should be seeing more of these in the future. So looking forward to seeing, hearing you guys uh, listen and uh, hearing your feedback. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you would like us to discuss on our format, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is hewitt at teambuilder.com. Thanks again for listening.